are blessed the Lord. Bless the Lord. We may not have much confidence in this world. We may not have much confidence in this government. We may not have confidence in men. We may not have much confidence in the economy. We may not have much confidence in tomorrow and our ability to make it there in our own strength. We may not have confidence in what we see before us, but we can have confidence that we, we, we will see the goodness of God. We have already seen the goodness of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have already experienced his goodness. Though we may not have confidence, though we may fear and, and our hearts may fail, we do know one thing, that we can have confidence in our God, in our Lord, in our Savior, in our Master. Amen. Bless the Lord. Thank Sister Janice and Ronnie Jeremiah for leading us this morning in worship. So I just want to say good morning to you and welcome to this church gathered at Forest Baptist. So good to be with you, though. We're not able to see you face to face. My prayer is that you are expect uh, expecting the Lord to speak to you today as he has uh, even excited our hearts through singing of this word. So welcome to each and every one of you. As we get ready to dive into God's word for this morning, you know, I would be remiss not to prepare us for whatever goes on this coming week. Whatever takes place Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, next Sunday. I would be remiss not to remind us that our confidence is not in man and our systems and our structures. Our confidence is squarely in the Lord. If there was a time that we ever needed to, to remember that and to know that with some assurance, that time is right now. Our confidence is in the Lord. And I pray that the Lord would usher in revival, that the Lord would usher in uh, unity, that the Lord would usher in his presence even this week, especially for his people. And I just wanted to, I want to give you something to hold on to today. I don't have much to give you. I don't have much money. I don't, I don't have a whole lot of time. But, but I do know this. I can have confidence in if we hold on to God's word, we're going to be okay. And God's word reminds us in Psalm 20 and 7. He says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Psalm 118 verses 8 through 9 reminds us, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. No matter what takes place this week, we will continue to find our refuge in the Lord. So, so the Lord is showing us, a lot of us, our refuge has not been him. That's why we're running around like chickens with our heads cut off because he hasn't been our refuge. He hasn't been our foundation. And we've been looking to man to be our rock. But this world has never, was never meant to be our solid rock. 
The text of Scripture tells us that it's on Christ, the solid rock, we stand. And all other ground is sinking sand. So hold on to those psalms. Hold on to your confidence you have in the Lord even this week. As our emotions will be up and our emotions will be down. But the Lord will keep his people. Amen. Why don't you pray with me this morning as we dig into God's word. Well, Lord, our God, again, we come before your mighty throne of grace boldly because of the blood of Jesus that was shed for us on Calvary's cross, and we are now clothed in his righteousness. And, Father, I ask even now that you would bless this time, that your word would go forth with clarity, with understanding, with unction, with passion, and with power, that you will accomplish every single thing that you have so chosen, desired, and decreed. Father, please take my weak words and use them for your glory, for your word declares when I am weak, then I am strong. Hide me behind thy cross, Lord. Father, I pray for each and every uh, member, every uh, person watching right now. May you anoint their, 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 their minds and their hearts in Christ Jesus right now that we would all indeed receive your word with joy and gladness. And, Father, we would indeed be careful, be careful, be careful, be careful to give you all of the glory, all of the honor, and all of the praise for you and you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name we do pray. And God's people said together, amen. Amen. You know, as we be going through the gospel of Matthew together, we, we see over and over again all of the cues and the reminders that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah from the line of David. He is the new and the greater Moses. He is Emmanuel, God with us. The key theme that continues to arise from the text throughout this gospel is that the king of glory brings forth the kingdom of heaven, and its kingdom authority for his kingdom mission. It's all about the kingdom, y'all. The king of glory brings forth the kingdom of heaven and its kingdom authority for his kingdom mission. And when we begin to, to depend upon the kingdom, when we rely upon the kingdom of heaven and no longer rely upon this world, we will have a, a new and greater appreciation, but a new and greater security that God knows what he's doing. This is why Jesus was able to move like he moved in the streets of Galilee in the Gospels, because he was so kingdom focused and kingdom minded. And one thing about the kingdom that is just so glorious is the reality is that the disciples of Jesus now have the extraordinary privilege to be a part of Jesus' kingdom mission. If you would join me, Matthew, the 10th chapter, again, uh, in your Bibles or on your device, Matthew, the 10th chapter. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 15 this morning. Matthew, the 10th chapter, verses 1 through 15. And again, this is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits 
to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no towns of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that time. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. I just want to take a few moments to speak to you on the subject this morning. Commissioned for the mission. Commissioned for the mission. You know, with the rise of social media, an entirely new industry has sprung up, uh, mainly the influencer marketing. Influencer marketing. And uh, initially within this uh, influencer marketing uh, uh, industry, it, it, it initially relied upon experts and it, it relied upon activists and early adopters. Uh, it relied upon celebrities and athletes uh, as the people who uh, had the ability to influence others in order to buy or use certain products. These influencers would show up on their feed and or, and they would have specific products, and you would look at them and say, well, if they use them, maybe I could use them too. If, if they made them look like that, maybe it would make me look like that too. But now we see how social media has, has gone to the common man and the common woman, and not only are celebrities and experts and activists able to be influencers, but now just regular old folks like you and me are able to, to have some type of influence out in the marketplace. The influence is usually based upon someone's charm or their charisma or their particular message, their, the particular uh, uh, group that they're targeting in their message. That's where these influencers are able to dwell and able to uh, put these products out there. So instead of just celebrities and activists and uh, athletes having the ability to influence millions, now ordinary people have the ability to influence millions of followers on their Twitter feed, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, you have it, whatever. But understand that these influencers have been commissioned by corporations to help them increase 
their bottom line. So what am I saying? I'm, I'm saying behind all these influencers is this desire for uh, for the dollar, this desire for money. The, the corporations are are using these people to be their face in order to engage you and I to influence us to take these products or go on these trips or buy these kinds of cars. Capitalistic companies, however, aren't the only ones who have influencers. Walk with me through the text of Scripture, Ephesians, the sixth chapter and the twelfth verse reminds us that for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. That's influence. Second Corinthians four and four. In their case, the God of this world has blinded that the minds of of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. That's influence. First Peter five and eight, be sober minded, be, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's influence. First Thessalonians 2 and 18, because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, he says he wants to come to he wants to come to them, but Satan hindered us. See, that's influence. Beloved, I want you to understand that what we see in front of us is, is only a, 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 a picture of the reality of what's taking place behind the scenes for Satan is at work influencing humanity towards rebellion on a mission to distract, to disrupt, and to destroy. Look here in 2 Timothy, the third chapter. Uh, we are warned about these kind of days. In 2 Timothy, the third chapter, beginning with the verse first, it says, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come what times of difficulty? For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Oh, beloved, these are the times that we're in right now. Satan is working behind the scenes to influence this world to follow him. And that is exactly why King Jesus has come. Christ taking upon himself humanity that he may rescue us from our satanic enslavement to sin. And Jesus coming from glory to earth to rescue us. He is heeding God's initial missionary call to rescue. Did you know that, that God himself is the first and original missionary? He is the one who is sending forth his word and his revelation in order to rescue a people where, there, where worship is not taking place. He is sending forth his word and revelation and illumination, and his spirit is bringing about worship. And he does this in the incarnation, in the manifestation of Jesus himself. Jesus' incarnation is the manifestation of God's missional call within creation. He has sent forth his son to rescue you and I. 
and to reconcile all things back to himself. And now when we're look at, looking at the text, we see that Jesus now delegates this missional call to all of his disciples. The big idea for this morning is simple. Jesus commissions his disciples to carry on his kingdom mission. Jesus commissions his disciples to carry on his kingdom mission. Jesus has called each and every one of his disciples to have missional influence or mission influence. There's something about the call of being a disciple that we uh, take upon ourselves, that very mission of Jesus, and we go and spread that mission. And it's not like we just, we just have that, that, that choice that if we feel like it. No, it comes with being called a disciple. It comes with being saved by grace through faith. It, it comes through the blood of Jesus. This call to be a missionary to this world is part of just being one of God's children. If you had a, a father who was just uh, just really kind and sweet and able to do a whole lot of things for you, you would have no problem telling others about his goodness. And if God's been good to you uh, as, as, as nearly as good as he's been to me, then we should have something to say. But it is in, because it is in this mission that transformation takes place. Look, quick, look, look with me quickly back to Matthew, the ninth chapter, in verses 35 to 38, what, 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 what Matthew accounts is Jesus and his mission. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because there were, they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus is on a mission to rescue and redeem uh, humanity through the, the teaching and preaching of his word. But not only is the gospel to go forth, but because of the gospel, there's implications that those who are broken, those who are hurt, and those who are in pain would be healed. And he is saying, Pray that many will come and join this good work. Jesus' mission is to rescue sinners from Satan and from themselves. You see Satan's oppression with this disease and affliction and, and the fact that uh, in their synagogues is, is legalism being taught, is heresy being taught, and it's not the gospel of the kingdom, but the gospel of man is being preached. And Jesus is saying we must deliver sinners from themselves and from Satan's influence. And quickly, three ways I see how Jesus, uh, he, he, he issues this commission for his disciples I, like I said, I see it three ways, and the first way that I see this taking place is the fact that Jesus' disciples are commissioned with kingdom power. Jesus' disciples are commissioned with kingdom power. Here in verses 1 through 4, Jesus calls the 12 unto himself, not, not the crowd, not everybody out there. He's calling to himself 12 specific men. These men were uh, uh, that Jesus came and got himself. 
these 12 men would be representatives of the new Israel. There's, it's not just happenstance that it's 12. Just as there were 12 tribes or 12 tribal leaders called by Moses, Jesus now institutes this new humanity, this, this new people with these 12 men. And in calling these 12 men, these were the specific ones that Jesus said to them, follow me. And they drop everything and follow Jesus. He, he calls them to himself. And when he calls them to himself, he then delegates unto them kingdom authority. He commissions them with kingdom authority. He says, I, I, I'm about to send you out. But before he sends them out, the text of Scripture says, and he gave them authority. This is, a, this is the authority that would allow them to, to move in society and, uh, and able to uh, accomplish everything that Jesus wants them to accomplish. In receiving this delegated authority, the 12 will have power to do what, exactly what Jesus had been doing. If you think about uh, Matthew 1, chapters 1 through 9, we see the works of Jesus and how he is casting out demons and unclean spirits. He is healing the afflicted. He is, he is uh, liberating the demon oppressed. He, he is doing all of these things, and these are the very things that Jesus is saying to the 12 that you would do too because I've given you kingdom authority. Not only does this kingdom authority allows them to do the exact same things as Jesus, but in, in possessing this kingdom authority, they now are able to pass along the same message that Jesus had been speaking. What is this message? This message is that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the mission. Because men, women, boys, and girls have been enslaved to sin. The way that Jesus will liberate his people is through this gospel message, the, the very thing that has in it the power of God for our righteousness. And as they go forth with this kingdom authority, now or when they come up against opposition, when they come up against uh, uh, man's systems, when they come against, uh, up against Satan, they don't have to stand down. They can stand up because Jesus himself has given them delegated authority. What we see in verses 1 through 4 is that the 12 were fully empowered to represent Jesus wherever they were sent. You know, I'm reminded of the fact that wherever or whatever God calls his disciples to, he equips. Wherever God calls, he equips. And he is equipping us with this delegated authority. So it's not our power. It's not our wisdom. It's not our might. It's not how sophisticated my argument is. It's not uh, me being able to wield tools like philosophy and, and, and sociology. It's, it's not the, these tools of man that's going to give us the authority to go. But it is from the voice of God himself through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have received this kingdom authority to go to stand up against whatever we need to stand up against. This, this is what they would need here as they go out into a world that is filled with unclean spirits and 
filled with disease and affliction. Though we may not encounter these kind of things in our own lives, we encounter opposition all the time. We encounter opposition by an unruly boss. We, we encounter opposition by family, friends, and loved ones who say it don't take all that to serve God. We, are, uh, we face opposition all the time through, through people trying to, 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 to lift up another name besides Jesus, but we go in kingdom authority not worrying about what comes up against us because Jesus has sent us himself. But not only are we commissioned with kingdom power, Jesus' Jesus's disciples are commissioned with kingdom purpose. Kingdom purpose. In verses 5 through 12, we see that Jesus, he, he calls his disciples to himself, and then he sends them out with instructions. And he gives them the details of exactly what he wants them to do. Specific details and specific instructions. You know how we do. Someone gives us instructions and we, we half do what we were told to do. We, 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 do, we do the part that we like to do, but we leave the part that we don't like to do. That's how, that's how we operate. We, we, we need to be a people who, who is willing to, to almost be like well, whatever Simon says. I, I, I'm, I'm going to do exactly what the Lord says and not deviate from it. And we see that Jesus, he sends out the 12 and he instructs them, but he, he instructs them specifically. Because this is a uh, mission of liberation to set the captives free. Uh, he has specific instructions of this holistic liberation. It's not just preach the gospel, but this is holistic in the sense that the 12 are able to liberate people both spiritually, physically, and mentally. Jesus cares about our whole person, and his disciples should care about the whole person as well. In order to do that, Jesus gives them specific instructions. He says to them, I want, I want you to know the who, the what, and the how. He says the who. I, I, I want you to go to the lost sheep of Israel. I, I don't want you to go to the Gentiles yet. I don't want you to go into Samaria. I, I want you to go to a certain region. See, Galilee was surrounded by Gentile territory uh, with Samaria to the south, so Jesus is saying particularly, I want you to stay in this geographical region and encounter this people. But also, Jesus is fulfilling the prophetic uh, call of the Old Testament where he says, even uh, as Paul de delivers in, in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation to all who believe. And he goes on to say what? To the Jew first and also to the Greek. So this is Jesus sending his disciples to proclaim the kingdom to the Jew first to fulfill that. So I, I, I want you to go to a certain region, but I want you to uh, also talk to a certain people, not only ethnic Jews, but I want you to talk to a people who are broken and oppressed, the very ones who are marginalized by this world. Jesus wants them to go to the, the lower rungs of society. He wants them to go to the sick, the, the lepers, the demon-possessed, those who would have been uh, cast out because they didn't have it all together. Beloved, they, they weren't the ones who were uh, the perfect 
uh, candidate. They, they weren't the ones who were uh, the, uh, on the posters. They, they weren't the ones who were the influencers. They, they, want the, they weren't the ones that had somebody else backing them. They were the ones that were pushed down by the culture. They were the ones that were set aside and looked over as worthless. And Jesus is saying, those are the people I want you to go to. I don't want you to be like the Pharisees and the Sadducees who only look to see what they can get out of it for themselves. But I want you to give freely to these broken people. I want you to go to a people who fully know and are fully aware of their need. But then he says, I, I don't want you to go haphazardly either. I want you to go with a certain urgency. He sends the disciples to a certain region, to a certain people with a certain urgency because he says, uh, uh, don't don't pick up no gold. Don't pick up no silver. Don't get a bunch of bags. What he's saying in the text, he's saying, don't don't spend a whole lot of time preparing to go. I just want you to go. And if we can learn anything from Jesus here in this command and his instructions to his disciples, a lot of times before we want to go and do God, uh, God's calling and and, and go do what he, he called us to do. We, we think we have to go and have all these evangelism class, discipleship classes, and we have to uh, memorize the whole Bible. And we have to know uh, the inside out. We have to know uh, why Jesus went on the cross, where he went, where he died, and, and all of that. But, but Jesus is, is saying, stop trying to prepare everything. Just get up and go because I've already given you authority. He's saying... As you go, don't, don't try to hoard a lot of stuff either. Don't, don't try to profit off this gospel. But when you go to people, I want them to see that you have nothing to offer but the gospel. We have to understand that we may feel like we don't have a lot to offer people, but if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you always have the treasure of the gospel to offer. And being commissioned for his kingdom purposes, the 12 would realize Jesus's purpose and mission. Watch this. They would realize Jesus's purpose or mission through obedience. They would understand that their purpose was to obey Jesus and to fulfill this duty, this sacred duty to make known the treasures of heaven. Beloved, when we look at this passage of scripture or all scripture completely, obedience is the gateway to our purpose. A lot of times we don't know our purpose because we won't obey Jesus. We're trying to make up our own purpose and follow our own way. But when we are obedient to God's standards and his desires and, it, and his blueprint for life, it is through our obedience that we actually can realize and fulfill our purpose. We want to obey and go where Jesus directs. We want to go to whom Jesus directs. We want to go when Jesus directs because we have been given a kingdom purpose. This is not a purpose from man that can satisfy or fill us. That's why our hearts are always so empty when we look to man and look to things of this world to satisfy us. But complete purpose is only filled and satisfied by Jesus. Jesus, he commissions his disciples with kingdom power, kingdom purpose. But then lastly, I want to see how Jesus' disciples are commissioned with kingdom peace. Kingdom peace. Look here in verses 13 through 15. As they are going, Jesus says, you will encounter 
some different people. And as you encounter different people, you would encounter different responses. Some will receive you and some will reject you. This is what the text means when it says worthy and uh, not worthy. Those who are found worthy are those who would receive the disciples and hear the message of the kingdom of heaven. They would have received it with joy and gladness, but then there would be some who would reject this message. And Jesus says those folks are unworthy. They're unworthy. Unworthy of what? They're, unwe- they're unworthy of the hope of heaven because they fail to humble themselves and to trust this message that the disciples are bringing. As a matter of fact, uh, he says for them to take part in this, this symbolic a ritual that Jews would, 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 would do when they left a Gentile area. When, they would, when a Jew would leave a Gentile area, they would, quote, unquote, shake the dust off their feet to separate themselves from the Gentiles and, and saying that uh, uh, we have nothing to do with them because they, they won't trust in the one uh, true and living God. And he's saying the same thing as you're going and people are, are rejecting you. Shake the dust from your feet. Why can't they shake the dust from their feet? Well, really, they can, they can shake the dust from their feet because as ambassadors and emissaries, those who received the 12 received Jesus. And those who rejected the 12 rejected Jesus. When the disciples came and they preached the message and people received them, because the disciples were the representatives of Jesus with kingdom authority they would have actually receiving Jesus and in those cases he said leave them peace that peace that surpasses all understanding he says bless them bless them in a way that they would they would uh, experience that same anointing as you have experienced through my presence the same peace that you have when you're with me walking with me and hearing me that is the same peace that they will experience because they have trusted the message from my representatives. But then Jesus says those who reject him, they they will not be recipients of this peace, but they will be recipients of judgment. So much so, because everyone is responsible for what they receive, for what light they have received, because the disciples have the specific message from heaven. They, he actually says that their judgment is going to be worse than that of even Sodom and Gomorrah. Beloved, in their commission, the 12, they were both recipients and conduits of peace. Not only did they receive the peace of Jesus by being with them, but, but God Jesus, he, he used them to be conduits of peace. That, that, that same peace that lived within them would be bestowed upon those who con- they came in contact with. But understand this, in order to offer peace, you must have peace. You have to have the kingdom peace within you. If, if you don't have peace, if, you, if, if Jesus is not the center of your life, if, if everything is, 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 is haywire and chaos and you're not able to stand in the midst of the, zone, in the, of the storm, If you don't have peace, then you can't offer peace. 
Beloved, from this text, we have to realize there are some things that we have to uh, we have to draw near to our hearts and ask ourselves. The first thing I, uh, we need to ask ourselves is, as a disciple of Jesus, are you walking in kingdom power? Have you experienced the power from heaven? Disciples of Jesus have received authority to represent Jesus to the world. How do I know? Acts 1 and 8. And he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. When the Holy Spirit fills uh, the people of God, we at that very moment receive kingdom power, and we can walk in the authority with this message to preach and to teach the coming of Jesus Christ to lay down his life for sinners. But not only should we ask ourselves, are we walking in kingdom power? We need to ask, as a disciple of Jesus, are you walking in kingdom purpose? Disciples of Jesus, uh, purpose is paired to our proclamation. Are you proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is at hand, or are you proclaiming your kingdom is at hand? Are you proclaiming this world's kingdom is at hand? Uh, not, not just with your lips, but with your life. What kingdom purpose are you walking in? Because disciples of Jesus' purpose is realized through obedience. But then thirdly, as a disciple of Jesus, are you walking in kingdom peace? Listen to Jesus' words in John, the 14th chapter, verses 26 and 27, Jesus says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things to bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And watch this. He says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus said, I come to give you peace. But then watch this. As we are recipients of this peace, in Isaiah, the 52nd chapter, in the 7th verse, the word of God says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. What Jesus is saying to us today, if you are a living and experience this kingdom of peace, you will be a recipient of peace from Jesus, but you will also bestow that peace on other folks you come in contact with. That means when you come around, you can't create hell for everybody you come around. You actually got to be a stabilizing force when you come in the room. People should smile when you come in the room. People shouldn't shake their heads and turn the other way when you come in the room. You should be a breath of fresh air when you come in the room because people know that you come in peace. Disciples of Jesus are both recipients and conduits for peace. So, beloved, as we think about this commissioning that Jesus gave his disciples, we can ask ourselves the same question. Have you been on mission? Have you been exerting mission influence? Do you know kingdom power? Are you walking in authority that Jesus has given you, not the authority that comes from man? Do you know kingdom purpose? Are you realizing your purpose in Christ because of your obedience to his word? And do you know kingdom peace? Be it a recipient and a conduit. If we're honest, 
And I pray that we are. We we know that there's many times that we do not walk in kingdom power. We do not walk in kingdom purpose and we do not walk in kingdom peace. And our sin will always keep us from walking in perfect power, perfect purpose and perfect peace. And here is the good news of Christ, right? Because power, purpose, and peace can never be found in myself, but power, purpose, and peace is always found in Jesus Christ. That's why the text of Scripture reminds us that we need only to look and to live. Is this not why the gospel is such good news? Because though we fail and though we fall and though we are unable to walk in this perf this perfect uh, power, purpose, and peace, we look to the one who already has in Jesus Christ himself, who lived a life that you and I could not live and died the death that we deserve. And on the third day, he got up with all power in his hand, and he sits right now at the right hand of the Father. And we look forward to the day where he is coming back and he will usher in to this world the, the, the new heavens and the new earth and, and a new Jerusalem where he will reign in kingdom power, where we will, uh, will walk in in fulfillment of our, the perfect kingdom purpose, and we will experience perfect kingdom peace. Beloved, look today to Jesus, for he is our power. He is our perfect. He, he is our purpose, and he is our peace. Let us pray. Oh, Lord God, thank you for your word and how you call broken people by name to be your disciples. And, Father, this morning I ask that you would use your word to convict us of our sins, to show us how we are not walking in power, how we are not walking in purpose, and how we are not working in peace. We're so anxious about this week, dear God. <laughs> We are not working, walking in peace. But we ask right now, oh God, that you will forgive us for our sins. And we, we will indeed look to King Jesus. We will turn from looking to ourselves, turn from looking to this world. And we will turn towards you and experience the kingdom in our own lives. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.